0: Okay, we are in Acts chapter 18 this morning, and Acts chapter 18 will be split up in two sections, Um, and I believe that would go from 1 to 18, and then 19 through to the end of Acts chapter 18. So we'll wait till this train passes by, and then we'll continue on. <clears throat> this is progress, by the way. I remember when they came up with a little pull and they went whoop, whoop, and it was done. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that is really progress. But anyway, it, it sounds, it's good. I guess it's, it's a good thing that we have our, our little train moving quickly in the morning. So Acts chapter 18 and we go all the way to, excuse me, verse 17 and then 18 through to the end will be the next section that we'll consider. So let's read Acts chapter 18 starting at verse number 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontus, lately come from Italy and with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, by, uh, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own head. I am clean from henceforth. I go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord and all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And when Galileo uh, was a deputy of Acacia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul, and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuaded men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Galileo said unto the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O oh, ye Jews, reason would I that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of the words and names and of the laws, look ye to it. For I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sassanus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Galileo cared for none of those things. And so let's bow our heads and let's pray and ask God's blessing upon his word. Our Father, we give you thanks for the word of God, which is very clear. We thank you for the historical documentation of the book of Acts, how that Your son would say, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we see this unfolding before our very eyes. We give you thanks, our Father. Help us, instruct us by thy word. In the Lord Jesus Christ's precious name we do pray. Amen. It is uh, from chapter 18 that we go into Corinth. What a stark contrast then it is from uh, the uh, the the folks in Athens, the the philosophers, the Epicureans and the Stoics, those who would give consideration and be supposedly searching, but as we learned last week, these uh, philosophers, the very last thing they want to do is find. They love the search. They simply do not love the find. And so when Paul came in and he had answers, they did not appreciate that one bit. We go from there to the humanists, the Corinthians, individuals who did not look at life from a philosophical standpoint, but basically said, eat, drink, for tomorrow you die. And and from a humanist perspective, they drew life's pattern. What I believe from my own uh, being and, and what satisfies me, that's what takes preeminence. The philosophers, they would say, I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm trying to find, never wanting to really find, for the search was more intriguing than the finding what a contrast. Some would say that there was very little success in Athens. I tend to disagree with that. The very last verse of chapter 17 says, Howbeit certain men clave unto him, and believed, among which were Dionysus and Arpegite and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. And so there were successes in Athens, but because there was no church established in Athens at that particular time, they would say, well, then that was a failure, you see. It is possible by the reading of chapter 18 that there was a little bit of discouragement on the part of Paul. Discouragement in the results of Athens possibly, even though there were people saved. Discouragement and some of the other things that had transpired even before that. In Macedonia and Berea, even though they seemed to be more zealous for the scriptures. But here what Paul was finding himself absolutely alone. He went and he linked up with Aquila and Priscilla. Whether they were saved at this time, we don't know. I tend to think they probably were saved because if they were not saved... Now, I didn't read this, but it just seems sort of logical. Maybe I'm a little simple. Somebody can correct me afterward. If they were not saved, to link up with Paul would have brought great tribulation to them. Everyone knew what Paul was all about. Paul was all about proclaiming that this one, Jesus Christ, was indeed the Messiah sent of God. And so it seems strange to me that that they, they, they possibly were not saved at this particular point. But, of course, he spending time with them would definitely bring out the gospel and they would have the opportunity to be saved. But it is possible that they are saved at this particular time. Corinth was known for its immorality. It was a humanistic type approach for life. It was also the commercial center. Um, All that passed through this isthmus, passed through Corinth, and so they got a good feeding of all that the world had to offer. There was the temples of Venus or Aphrodite, and and the temples were well-known throughout all the then-known world. A thousand prostitutes would work those particular temples. They would call them a thousand virgins. Seems strange. They were anything but a virgin. And so here were these temples, and, and, and you, you, you had uh, over to to the north, you had uh, Greece and Athens, and, 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 and here were these temples, and they drew the people in, didn't they? Because the heart of man is generally quite wicked. It's interesting that at this particular time is when Paul wrote the book of Romans. Read the first chapter. It runs perfectly parallel with the conditions that we find in Corinth. It was a terrible place. And so maybe it was God uh, allowing uh, Paul to... to to work in Athens to, to prepare him for what was to come. I've often thought about this, and I've discussed this with other individuals. What is more difficult to work with, the absolute pagan humanist or the intellectual? Well, I happen to think from my experiences that when you go and you approach the philosophical searcher so-to-be, but very consumed by his own pride and his intellectual standing, there's trouble on the horizon every time. You'll get a better initial reaction. You'll get a better initial reception. But in the long run, they don't want to hear the answer. All they desire is the philosophical search for truth. And you begin to hear this jargon, this this intellectual mind play that goes on back and forth, and you find yourself getting absolutely nowhere. And that, that may explain the abrupt exit that Paul made from Athens. He was getting nowhere. Or is it the Corinthian? And and when you're called a Corinthian, if if I were to call a person a Corinthian, that would mean that their life would be uh, 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 typified by a fornication, an adultery, an immorality. Which one of the groups is more difficult to deal with? Initially, the response and the reception is going to be better with the intellectual. But in many cases, you get nowhere. But the person who's depending on self, hmm. initially they're going to build up into your mind this idea of, of how much pride they have and, and I can do my own thing and, 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 I, and I, I've mapped out my own course, so to speak, and I know where I'm going. But way deep inside their heart, in being directed by self, they realize they're going Nowhere. But it is a bit more discouraging when you come into these situations. Satan is active, tremendously active in this part of the world. Corinth was a commercial uh, 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 center where all commercial routes would come through. The ships would make their way through this little isthmus. And it even says that the Corinthians had set up this little system whereby they could drag the ship the, the, the few miles over the isthmus and drop them into the other sea on the other side so they wouldn't have to go all the way around the horn. So it was a great advantage, you see, for these Corinthians. And they basked in riches. And it was their demise. Paul was asked to come. He departed... Athens, and he came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, more specifically depart from Italy. And we know this mandate was quite a few years earlier as registered by one of the Jewish historians that it is true that Claudius did command them to leave. There were so many insurrections, so many problems, he said, let's deal with the problem. Let's just shovel it off and get rid of it. Here's where Paul went. Now, this is not an easy territory. This would require tremendous faith in the living God to move forward under these circumstances. There was a problem with fear with Paul. And the Spirit of God came in and, and, and supported him and, 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 and bound up to him and, and, and dealt with that fear. But Paul was definitely all by himself in one regard until Silas and Timothy came back and joined them from uh, Macedonia or the Bereans while they were there with the Bereans. There was great opposition. There was great difficulties. It says in verse 3, And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for by their occupation, they were tent makers. Tarsus was known for its tent making. Some of the best tents in all the world came out of Tarsus. And so it's quite logical that Paul would have learned this trade of tent making. In the Jewish economy, it was always said that you always had to have a trade. Whether you're on an academic course or whatever, you still needed a trade to fall back on so that you'd be able to make money and make ends meet. And so here was Paul uh, with these two, and he was about that particular trade. This is the most difficult mission field you'll ever face. You know, we can go door to door and, and, and we can knock on a door and if that individual says, you know, no, I have nothing to do with it, you close the door, you simply cast the dirt off your feet and you move on to another territory. But this is what I call the long-term mission field. It, it's our work, isn't it? This is where we're going to be exposed as either being real are being fake and here's where paul chose to 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 go about his occupation at the same time he was meeting in the synagogue on the sabbath we are told to be the salt of the earth we are told to be the light of the world this particular mission field is, is perfect for those two comparisons. And let me tell you why. More than likely, those people that you work with, you will proclaim verbally the gospel. But you are going to have to live out the gospel. When it says it were to be the light of the world, what noise does light make? No, light doesn't make any noise, does it? It simply illuminates. By its very presence, there are little nooks and crannies in the lives of individual, individuals, and it illuminates those nooks and crannies, and they become reality that that individual as to far, how far from God they really are. Now, what about salt? If the salt had lost its savor, you know, salt is a pure chemical, If you have pure salt, it does not lose its savor. What will cause the salt to become useless? They would simply take that salt and they would pour it into the corner of the temple. And and they would use it for uh, walking on. What causes it to be useless is when it gets blent in with the dirt of the world. But does salt talk? No. But when we allow ourselves to be, take the dirt and vile of this world and we allow it to be a part of our beings, let me tell you what, we're not going to be walking, especially in this mission field, we'll be exposed. And let's say, oh, what a hypocrite that individual is. What a hypocrite. Look at how he lost his temper. Look, look, Look at his... The, the words he chooses. Man, he's no better than me. He thinks he's something. He thinks he's walking upright. Oh, this will be the biggest test any individual in this room will ever face. It's called the workplace. And so we're to be the light in that workplace, we're to be the salt in that workplace. Both of them are silent testimonies. Now, we're to open our mouths and, and we're to proclaim the gospel. That usually happens initially, doesn't it? And then we go out, we live out that gospel. We begin to show them the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your first mission field. All oh, you hear people often say, I don't know what my ministry is. I can't, I just can't understand. The Lord has never revealed to me what my ministry is. And then you realize, there's your ministry right there. Open your eyes and look. Those people who you daily commune with, they're going to drive you nuts. They're going to they're, they're gonna pick on you and they're going to drive you. Know, you know, say, oh, he's a, he's a Bible thumper. He's at he's a this. We'll watch him really close. And boy, will they watch you really close, let me tell you. And, but there's your ministry right there. Why, if Priscilla and Aquila were not saved, they were certainly exposed to the gospel through the apostle Paul. But look at what it says in the end of verse 4. This is important to note. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And then later on it says he was pressed in the spirit. So there was this special calling by the spirit of God that, that pressed him into special activity it it has something to do with Silas and and Timothy coming back to him from Macedonia and they probably came back with a very encouraging report these Macedonians they weren't like the Thessalonians they they searched the scripture so there was some encouragement uh, that was involved with the report that Silas and Timothy uh, came back to Paul with and so it uplifted Paul Paul may have been a little down in the doldrums. You say, oh, not, not the apostle Paul. No, surely not. He, he can never be discouraged. I mean, my goodness, he, he's just a rock. He just goes forward. He never has fear. Well, the Bible just tells me right here he did have fear. All the same weaknesses that, that we experience, he experiences as well. Discouragement. But, but when Timothy and, and Silas came in unto him, there was encouragement there in Numbers, wasn't there? There was, a, there was working off of each other to encourage each other. And suddenly the Spirit pressed him. And he said it, testified to the Jews. And, and so here the, 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 the Spirit presses him to testify unto the Jews. Now, it it goes on and it says in verse 6, and when they opposed him. Now, you say, wait a second. This doesn't make any sense. This whole thing really doesn't jive in my mind. Why did the Spirit tell him to go to the Jews when all the while the Spirit knew full well that they would oppose him? They would basically laugh him right out of the synagogue is what they did. They blasphemed him. Well, they didn't blaspheme him. They probably blasphemed the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he brought as being the Messiah. And the Bible says they opposed him. Oh, I, I love the honesty of the scripture. It says they opposed themselves. They opposed themselves, you see. And so here you have a situation where uh, uh, Paul is told uh, a special ministry by the Spirit of God, you go. But what was he doing before then? Now, this is the thing. It is hard to take a train and move it. Let's chain up that train, even one car, and I want you to move that thing. You say, well, that's impossible. Man, that, that's tonnage. That That's a lot of weight. I can't do that. But let's get that train moving first, and then I want you to join up and keep it moving. Now, that's something a little bit easier, isn't it? Uh, You see, that's what was happening here. It wasn't as though Paul became so discouraged that he just simply went off and, oh, I just give up, Uh, you know, like I said, I'm going to go back to fishing. I'm going to go back to fishing, you know, that's it. We're not getting anywhere here, are we? No, he kept going into the synagogue every Sabbath. And he reasoned. It doesn't say that he had a special mandate. We know he did have a special mandate. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 tells us that. Go to the Jews, then to the Greeks. We know that special mandate. But there was no special calling from the Spirit of God as we see it here in the beginning. There is later, he says, the Spirit of God told him, go, have no fear, move forward. Well, it tells me he had fear. But Paul was on the move. God directs those who are on the move. It is very difficult for God to call someone who is in a stationary sense of their own relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. Their ministry becomes themselves. They need to get their own act together before they can actually move out for the Lord. And so they oppose themselves. Well, that's what's happening. When an individual rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, they're in opposition, not of the person delivering the message. They're in opposition of their own selves. And may their blood be upon their own heads, Paul said. We go on to the rest of verse number 6. And they blasphemed, and he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own head. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house joined... He didn't go very far, did he? I find that amazing, doesn't it? You know, I shake off the dust. And I'm out of here. I'm gone. And where did he go? He went to a home that was actually physically wall the wall adjoined to the synagogue itself. So he didn't, go, he didn't go far. We find out in Romans that he had a tremendous heart for the nation of Israel. And that, 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 that doesn't cease. That doesn't just, it isn't just shook off. We know that later on he goes into Ephesus. He goes right back into the Jews again. He's talking about just for the Corinthians here. You've rejected, rejected it. You've opposed yourself. You've blasphemed the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm gone. And, but he didn't go far. He ends up going right there to a home, hard joined to the synagogue. And then verse number 7, it says, And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's uh, a house named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose... House joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. I'm amazed. You see, that the Spirit of God said to Paul, said, You go and don't fear and 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 then i think i think that paul probably had in his memory all the experiences that he, that he had earlier where in philippi they beat him and cast him into prison and in other other places uh they they beat him and, and cast him off and 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 he's thinking oh boy here we go again i go to the jews the jews reject and then i go to the gentiles the Jews become jealous, and then they come after me and put bruises on my body. And, and, you know, we are all human beings. Paul had been beaten a lot. He had been imprisoned much. And, and God said, listen, Paul, they're not going to harm you. Oh, that's better. That's better. Because the Lord directed him to Philippi. The Lord directed him to other places where, where he was actually beaten. And, 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 and after a while, you, 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 in your own human thinking, you say, yeah, Lord, I, I hear the direction of the Spirit of God, but every time the results are the same. And I get bruises and I get lumps. What is this all about? Oh, can we experience discouragement? Discouragement? Well, it seemed that that Paul had experienced discouragement. It was a bit of a discouraging time. I believe at the beginning of his 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 walking into the corinth and 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 looking around and seeing this this unbelievable display of immorality. Uh, Paul became very discouraged. What am I going to say? How can I face these people? How can I present the gospel in such darkness? How it, 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 You throw light into such unbelievable darkness, it is just going to glare out and, and I'm just going to be in trouble again. And the beat goes on and the Spirit said, You go. You go. You go. And and lo, I am with you. Always, you see. Verse number nine says, "And spake the Lord to Paul in a night, by a vi- by a vision. By a- yeah, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace." And so Paul was encouraged. To go forward, turn of you will to First Corinthians chapter two and verse three. Because to study out the eighteenth chapter of the second missionary journey, this is the latter part of the second missionary journey. A lot of it is reflected uh, when he visits Corinth in Corinthians chapter one and chapter number two, and so we get a little background as to what's uh, going on here. Uh, in those particular chapters. Chapter number two. <clears throat> it says in verse number one, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. A wholehearted dependence now upon the Spirit of God. Now I, I'm just this this you may not agree with this. But there's a possibility in my mind. That Paul may have recognized that he was maybe acting a bit too clever in Athens. Now, you can take this or leave it. I won't be offended. But it says in one, one, one occasion that he quoted some of their philosophers and he began to uh, deal with them on their level trying to raise uh, the, 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 the whole presentation, so to speak, to kind of match their level. It is possible that Paul, upon reevaluating this method, might have recognized that he was a bit too clever. Maybe just a bit too much dependence upon that one who, who studied under the greatest of that particular day, greatest college professor of that particular day, maybe a little too much dependence upon that and not enough dependence upon the Spirit of God. Now, that, that's, I don't know that. It doesn't say that directly. But his response in Corinth is very clear. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith... Should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, I think that we need to reevaluate our presentations, possibly, especially in my case. How you approach certain individuals. The more you do it, the more adept at it you become, the more accurate you become. You tend to recognize by the Spirit of God where this person is a little more accurately. And you may change your approach here and there. It's possible that Paul decided that he needed to change his approach. Be not afraid. Maybe the fear was good. Maybe the fear was good. Maybe it was there in order that he might recognize that it is not Paul. It is the Spirit of God. And, 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 and all that excellency of speech, I've cast it out for the simple truth as being directed by the Spirit of God. And now he gets into Corinth and he says, Man, I, how do I do this? How do I do this? You do it by the Spirit of God. And he recognized that without the Spirit of God, it was of no use. It had no power. It had no effect. If it's from us, it's vile. It's self-centered. It's an amplification of our own selves. Oh, how witty I am. How intellectual I am. I can spar with the philosophers, you know. I don't say that was Paul's case, but that's sometimes our our bend. Instead of bringing them the simple gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, because way down deep inside, if the Spirit of God is doing a work, that's all they need. They have enough of the philosophy. It gets them nowhere. The Epicureans and the Stoics and all these different approaches, and, and, and they leave them empty. They simply need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fear not. What keeps us from fear? Practicing his presence. Walking in the presence of the Son of God. Practicing his presence always in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The psalmist said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. There's the key to the absence of fear. When we begin to walk in our own intellectual pursuits and, and trying to impress those around us as to what we know and, and where we've been and all these different matters, we become useless. It's salt blent with dirt. And what good is it? Throw it in the corner and use it when there's a frost. Walk on it, but it's useless. And so Paul goes back to the basics. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. It's going to be a break in Corinth. And, and there was a break in Corinth. And there was tremendous success in Corinth. And how long he was in Corinth, I'm not really sure. I read different accounts, 18 months, 4 months. It, it was a long time. It was one of the longest Sessions that Paul had spent in any city. He wrote the book of uh, uh, Thessalonians. He wrote the book of Romans. He, he had time to sit back and meditate and, and, and begin to work by the Spirit of God to, to give us these scriptures that, that we have before us. For I am with thee, and no man shall set thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city That's a strange phrase isn't it And it leaves us rather bewildered but it only emphasizes what I have already said You see we tend to believe that that somehow we are a part of this salvation plan that somehow we we through our wit are somehow going to save this person No, the Lord says, for I have much people in this city. Their hearts were already being prepared by the Spirit of God. Listen, Paul, all I want you to do is bring the simple gospel. The simple message of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all I want you to bring. I have already done the work. You just bring the gospel. In all its simplicity, that is all that people need. The success of a work is not dictated by the results. The success of a work is not dictated uh, by the results. But rather, the success of the work is our obedience to the call. What did he call him to do? Paul, go, go to the Jews. He went to the Jews. They opposed themselves. They blasphemed the Lord Jesus Christ. So you say, well, was that, was that the Spirit? Was that the Spirit calling Paul? It was the Spirit calling Paul. The very same thing happened in Athens when he was pressed in the Spirit as well. And, and, and there was many op, much opposition there. And, and you say, well, what is that then? The success of a work is not dictated by the result, but rather the obedience to the call. If they will not hear, move on. You know, it's great consolation, isn't it? Because if we had the responsibility to save them, then you'd never move on. You'd always feel the burden that this individual is under my care and Well, that's not what it is. You see, Paul, he simply said, listen, I'm I'm done with you guys now. I'm going to go on to the Gentiles In, in full obedience to what the Word of God said in Romans. I'm done with you now, Jews. I'm simply going to go over to the Greeks. And there were Greeks there in that temple. There were proselytes to the Jewish faith. And keep the message simple. Keep. The message, simple. It's not about me and my intellect or or, or what I can come up with to, to dazzle this individual as far as what I know. It is simply to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, the one sent of God. He did die. He was buried. And on the third day, he did rise again. That's what people really need. And you throw the seed, simply broadcast it, throw it everywhere. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't pick a seed and, and jam it into a heart and dig it into the heart. I'm going to make you believe. That's not the idea. It says broadcast it, move it, freely move it around. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God, I've got people in this city. Listen, I've got people in this city. You just get the message out. You say, well, who are they? Tell me who they are. I, it'll be a lot easier. Nope, nope. Just broadcast it. Move it, move it, move it as being moved by the Holy Spirit and you'll find them. Wow, isn't it great that, that we don't have to do... I mean, this isn't us, you know. That This isn't all about me and 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 because it would be a terrible failure, wouldn't it? It'd be awful. And yet, to, to realize also that if you're going to go out and you proclaim the the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's a lot of power. I mean, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, in a sense, that is a great responsibility, isn't it? But it is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not the power of us. So God empowers us to get the message out. To individuals out there in the world, and he did in Corinth, and there were many saved. Even those who 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 he baptized later on, these these individuals who were right there in the synagogue, leaders of the synagogue, they got saved. It 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 was it was God infiltrating, wasn't he? You know that's 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 a great uh, a plan of war, isn't it? You you get into the middle and you blow it out. That's exactly what God was doing, didn't he? There was this man who who was right there and and he was a leader of the synagogue. And he and all his family got saved. What a tremendous testimony it was. That's the way God directs. And if it's by the Spirit of God, there is going to be the results that will follow. And there were results in this case. There were those who were saved. But there was opposition and later on, some say this is towards the end of his stay there in Corinth. Uh, there was opposition when Galileo was a deputy of Acacia. Acacia was that big province of which Corinth was the capital because it was the commercial center and everybody wanted to go there because of the immorality that was going on there. That the, the heart of men is desperately wicked above all else. Who can know it? And so there, there was uh, opposition. Galileo was a deputy of Acacia. Uh, The Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. It's quite apparent that Galileo was brought in. He was a new uh, procurator or leader of Acacia, sent down by the Roman government, and they figured, well, if this guy's brand new, he isn't going to know who Paul is all about, and, and, and we'll try to pull one over on him, and we'll get rid of this guy once and for all. Well, then... Paul would have said, well, you, but, Lord, you promised me that you, you, I wasn't going to get hurt here, that there was going to be no bodily harm to me. And so, uh, but, but this guy came to him, and, and, and basically, uh, just before Paul could even speak, this leader said in verse 15, But if it be a question of the words and names and of the laws, look ye to it, for I will not judge of such matters and the Lord spoke through this man great wisdom these were problems of the Jewish faith listen if you got problems with the Jewish faith then you deal with those yourselves and God miraculously protected Paul once again then all the Greeks verse number 17 then all the Greeks took Sassanus the chief ruler of the synagogue and beat him now that's interesting why didn't they beat Paul well, God said, you're, you're not going to get hurt here. They beat him before the judgment, and Galileo cared for none of those things. And so we find out that there was great success even in the midst of all this immorality. And it w- w- would be great greatly discouraging. I think it is more difficult to deal with the immoral person than it is even the philosopher. It is easier then to see that individual by the Spirit of God come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, then it is the philosopher. So initially it is difficult to deal with this immoral person because they are so wrapped up in themselves. Life is being guided by themselves, and they're on a dead end path. And so Paul went into the city and he must have just shook his head and said, Man, I, I am really wow. And he went unto the Jews, and later on he goes unto the Greeks. And later on, there's a church established in this pagan place. There's a lighthouse here in this pagan place. A testimony here in this pagan place. Because the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Oh, that we might be faithful to the calling of the Holy Spirit. And I know in my life I shun the Holy Spirit. I know that there's times when I say, oh, I come up with all kinds of logical reasons and, and, and all kinds of excuses and such, and yet if we're moved out by the Holy Spirit, God can start using us and use us vitally for his glory and for his name's sake. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the faithfulness of Paul but we give you thanks for the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he were very rich, he became very poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. Our Father, he was faithful, the only true sacrifice, and he gave of himself. We give you thanks that he walked on this earth and showed us what spirit-directed life looks like. But then his main purpose was to go to a cross, and he showed us again what real obedience really is. Our Father, then, help us to walk aright, more by faith and less by sight. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen.